0: This audio is from King's Cross Church in Independence, Missouri. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit kingscrosskc.com. Today's scripture reading is from John 7, verses 14 through 31, which is on page 893 in your Pew Bibles. It's John 7, 14 through 31. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him, there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, When the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? This is the word of the Lord.
1: thank the Lord for, um, that worship this morning and, uh, just sitting there being super thankful for our worship team and the amount of effort that, and, uh, that, that goes into them just every week serving us the way that they do. Uh, I'm just super thankful for that. Sometimes in worship, no matter how many hundreds of worship services I might sit through, um, I'm just surprised by the grace of God. I don't know if that's your lived experience, but it was mine this morning. Um, so I'm really thankful for for that. Um, welcome. My name's Orion Barrage. I'm one of the pastors here at King's Cross and today's sermon could be titled Do not judge a book by its cover. We are too fancy for that, so we'll give it another name. Um, But I, I, when I was reading this passage this week, I had posted a Be Real, I don't know if you guys know of that social platform, Um, but I had posted one and I was so excited that this was maybe my first Be Real sitting at my desk and looking at my books and reading. Uh, Normally I'm sitting at a traffic light when it comes on and you kind of have to post in the moment to be real, that's the idea. Uh or I'm like binge watching Netflix and it's just Charlie and me, right? Like just over and over the same thing. Like what are people gonna think my life consists of, right? Like I need a fake picture. Um, but that's the point of be real. So I was thankful when it came up, sitting at my desk reading, preparing God's word for you, that you could see how spiritual your pastor is. And um this this week and I posted and somebody commented, Hey, what's your favorite book on that shelf? you <laughs> And I was like, ah. and I was so excited about the question. And I was like, oh, what's my favorite? I don't know. Let me go stand in front of the bookshelf. Like, let me, let me, let me figure out which one is my favorite book. And so I go stand in front of the bookshelf and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I'm deliberating on which is the most impactful, which is the best book. Like, um, obviously there are some that are prettier than others, that uh, I like to, um, see, but like, I, and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, they didn't mean this, Orion. Like they did not, they did not want all of what you're doing right now. And I was like, ah, oh, maybe this book or that book. <laughs> but, but you, but, but as you look at any bookshelf, there are books on that shelf that are pretty average. And I have books on my shelf that are over a hundred years old that were handcrafted, that were hand stitched, that, that, that some artist masterfully with decades of experience laid gold leaf on the cover of it to great expense. We don't make books like that anymore. It's just too expensive. And then I have books that are sometimes the most meaningful that they spent 10 cents printing, right? And that's that's just a reality for me this week as I've uh, looked at it. It's a famous idiom, this idea of not judging a book by its cover. Um, We find its expression throughout our culture and theater and movies and songs and, and education and many, many, many sermons, right? Like this idea is an idea that is actually not that old. In fact, the first time we see it in culture is in 1944, the African Journal of American Speech said, you can't judge a book by its binding, which doesn't really sing, right? Like it's just not that smooth. And so the phrase like really got into culture in 46, when a murder mystery came out called Murder in the Glass Room and it evolved into, you can never tell a book by its cover. And then it was sort of set and it's a concept that takes this, takes a deeper meaning and it surfaces it and it sort of makes it portable. That's what an idiom is. That's what a saying is in our, in our, in our culture. It also has deep meaning attached to it, right? Like it has very deep meaning that, that outward appearance shows us only what a person wants us to see or know. We can't look beneath someone's skin, so we can't truly know about the nature of someone only based on, on the outside and what is materialistic in our assumptions, right? Like that's the deeper, the deep meaning of the phrase. Only when we give time and consideration, sort of slowing down to understand, to listen, to consider. um, Will we begin to see the true selves, the the true self? And slowly, gradually, layer by layer, often authenticity is revealed to us. That's the deep meaning of the idiom that we just sort of kind of throw around and, and don't really absorb maybe deeper. And that's the idea here. That's kind of what we're seeing, but there's a lot more depth, there's a lot more richness, and even as you're hearing this read to you, it sort of seems like... um like It's all one kind of story or one conversation, and there's times where it just kind of seems the conversation doesn't seem very congruent, right? Like it's just kind of hitchy, And um, but really it's three different conversations, and so that's what we're going to look at today is there's three groups of people that encounter Jesus in this text, and there's really three scenes, three different scenes or three different sort of conversations that are happening with Jesus at the Feast of Booths, so it's continuing on from... Um, Um, last week's sermon and each scene, they have these people who, who have their assumptions about who Jesus is. They're, they're, they're making their judgments about him and their interactions with Jesus reveal um, a lot about what's in their heart and a lot about what's in their head. And so we're going to witness these interactions as we do in, in, in John. And here's two big themes that I think you're going to see as we, as we go through these one We're going to see more clearly who Jesus is. We're just going to, we're going to together take a step as we move through John. We're going to see a little bit more clearly about who Jesus is. And we're going to see more clearly how people, how humankind is prone to miss him. prone to miss them face to face they're prone to miss them we're seeing those two realities let's look at the first scene after I pray father we we ask lord as we as we come to the text that um, you would speak to each one of us through your word that lord like through your power and through your spirit this morning you would counsel your people you would draw those that feel far away from you close to you. Lord, that you would kindle and ignite things in our hearts. Lord, we ask to be instructed. We ask to be um, corrected. Lord, we ask to be rebuked. We ask to be um, loved. We ask to be adopted. We ask to be all the things that you've already promised for your people. Help us to experience them in your word today as we sit under the teaching of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Verse 14, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So they're witnessing Jesus he comes up, he's starting to teach, he's, he, and, and, and this is the epitome of don't judge a book by its cover. They're, they're just watching the dude teach and they're like, how is he that smart? <laughs> how does he have that kind of wisdom? How does he know the scriptures like he knows? The only people like that in our culture, we taught in our rabbinical schools. That's the only people, right? And more so than ever in history at this moment where, 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 where scriptures aren't readily available, right? Like where, where the understanding of how to read, like the understanding of, of their history, like more so than ever in any time, right? That, that you would have to go to their rabbinical school to be able to coherently stand up and teach, like he did in the temple. And so they're just like, wait a second. Like something is wrong here. Don't judge a book by its cover. It's like the, the, the most obvious. We could just teach on this. I could teach about the implications and the applications to that. Um, but there's so much more as we lean into the text and read it. We should add to the plain understanding That this is just like, it's unwise, it's unloving, it's unfriendly, it's not kind, right? Like all of those reasons are are just obvious to us. That we shouldn't stand in the seat of judgment on people, just looking at them and going, this don't make sense. What's, What's wrong with them? Or what, you know, like that type of judgment, that base level judgment. We should add to that the doctrine of the image of God. Because when we look at people and we sit in the seat of judgment and we make these broad strokes, we are failing to see the value and the dignity of every human being as image bearers of God. Like we should add to that this morning, even even as the text doesn't really shine through, that the imago Dei shining through his creation puts off earthly ways of evaluating people. We should add that to, to our understanding of never judging a book by its cover. But Jesus answers them. They make these sort of judgments and they're sitting in that sort of seat of, of judgments. He knows that. So he answers them in, in verse 16. My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. So Jesus, like, he takes a different approach, right? He doesn't like, hey, here's where I've read things. And here's, you know, I studied with this guy a little bit. And like, he, he doesn't like try to create a resume to them, like going, we're not sure if we should believe you or where you come from or what your authenticity is. He, he takes a different approach. So it's like, not only should you just not judge a book by its cover, that's a bad idea. Um, but he says something else. He says, authenticity Spirituality, authority, all those things that you're like trying to grab at right now, they come from something else. What should we look for? He's, he's, he's trying to help us see that. And he says in this passage that falsehood, it's, it equals seeking your own glory. Like, what we should look for isn't degrees. It isn't the smartest person in the room. It's not any of those things. He's like, what we want to look for is somebody who seeks the glory of God. Like, that's what you want to see when you're looking to trust some sort of spiritual authority. Jesus is like, I see that you don't believe me. Let me share my source with you, right? Like, let me appeal to the source. I'm from God. And I'm all about God's glory, and like as we see in Scripture, when you're close to God's glory, you get all the truth, you get all the vision, you get all about what God is about. Like that's what we see in in Scripture. And Jesus, is like, you don't have to believe me; you believe the one that sent me. Like you can you can believe that. I don't know about you, but if you've ever like heard a teaching or um, a podcast or something and you're like, and you, something about it really resonates with you, you know, you, you like it, but there's also something that you're kind of like, I don't know, like, it's just, I don't know. Like, I can't put my finger on it, but like, what is it? Is there, is this legitimate? And, and I know that that's an an issue because we, we often help with that. Like we often help us pastors to go, uh, you're going to get some good and some bad from this guy. Right? Like, I mean, that's the reality you ever been in that situation where you're just sort of like, uh, I don't know. And then you can go like, what do I go on? I look at the guy's bio and I see where he went to seminary or like I look at a story, but, 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 but what can I tell? And Jesus is like, don't use that sort of evaluation. That might help you a little bit, but he's like, is he doing it for his own glory? Or is he doing it for God's glory? Like, where, what is his true source or his motivation? He's just trying to go, listen. Like, I'm just going to tell you where I came from and what I'm trying to do. I'm going to tell you my purpose. I'm going to tell you my agenda. I come from God. I'm, I'm, I seek the glory of God. I'm going to say what only God has to say. He's like trying to lay that down um, as the scene unfolds. And then in verse 19, he doesn't just um, go on the defense. He actually turns it a little bit and he goes on the offense. So it's like he, he answers their questions and he answers like their, their doubts like generously. But then he, in verse 19, he sort of just goes on the offense. He says this, Hasn't, has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? I mean, that's just kind of abrupt, right? Like he's just answering um, their doubts, and he's like, and pretty soon he's like accusing them of wanting to murder him, and and but 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 it's really interesting what he says. He says, "Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law." Like he's indicting at least the Jews in front of him, but maybe the entire nation of Israel to say like, like, hey, like as you're checking my credentials, there was another guy that came that you actually received from God. And you said, hey, the law that he gave you is from God. And yet even that guy that God sent you, you're not keeping with. Like sort of to expose like, hey, the problem isn't actually my credentials here. And then he, then he goes on like the, just the, 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 the complete extreme of saying, and you want to kill me, like, and you want to kill me for it. The crowd answered, you have a demon who's seeking to kill you. Like, just like playing coy, kind of playing dumb when everybody had to have known in this time what was happening, right? Like the, the authorities were, that's what the authorities did. But there were people that came before that thought that they were the Messiah and they um, met a martyr's death too. So like he knows, Jesus answers them, I did one work and you marvel at it. He's talking about, you know, healing. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath, which this is why they wanted to kill him originally, is he healed somebody on the Sabbath. This is the reason. So he's, he's actually just kind of like answering the, 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 the statement of who seeks to kill you. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me? Because on the Sabbath I made a man's body whole. Right? He's like, listen, you guys out of like ritual circumcised people that could wait till Monday, right? Like that could wait. And, and everyone volunteered for that to wait till Monday, right? Like that, that's the reality. But he's like, you don't wait because you're like, you think it's so important as part of following God, right? Like following God that you would, that you would circumcise. And he's like, I healed somebody. Like I made somebody whole, I express the passion and the love of God through the healing of the spirit in my ministry. Like I did, that's what I did and you want to kill me for that. So what, when Jesus responds, the thing that Jesus is always doing with his word is like, he's sort of dicing up the person, right? He's sort of revealing their true heart. And listen, that's the same as we approach scripture today. You know, we don't just read the word, the word reads us. Like, that's the reality, that's the relationship that we always will have with the written or the living word of God. Verse 24, he says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Sort of to put a little bit of a bow on it. It's like, listen... Why not y'all start thinking right? Like, why not you pause a minute and start start thinking right? Use judgment. Use truth, he could be saying. It's like you're, you're sort of following your own truth. Like, why don't, why don't you use right judgment? Why don't you think rightly? Why don't you think like God thinks? Why don't, you, why don't you factor that in as you're trying to follow him? And so the questioning kind of turns to an accusing back from Jesus, Um, as he turns the table on them to try to break through their reasoning, try to show them their hypocrisy. And so Jesus is wise and he's understanding. They don't like it. They start to question where he's from. He starts to give um, his credentials, his source, his like, here's where I'm from. And then he starts to reveal their true heart because he knows that's not really the conversation. And that's sort of how it goes. Now in scene two, we're going to see a different conversation with some of, f- some of those same familiar notes. And so we'll pick it up in verse 25. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly. And they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ, right? Like this has to be a different group of people because they're kind of coming at it from a different view. They're like, yeah, of course the authorities want to kill this guy, but they're not. So are they convinced that he's the Christ, that he's this Messiah that we've been waiting for? Like they're coming to a different conclusion, right? Like that's what they're doing. The opposite conclusion. They're like, we know for a fact that the authorities would destroy anyone claiming to be the Messiah or the Christ who isn't. We know that. But the reality sort of becomes the same. The, 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 the sort of, like, whatever that is doesn't last. And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that he is the Christ? The authorities didn't destroy him. Something's different here. Like, that, this group of people is just like, something's different here. We just have to at least acknowledge that, that, the, that, this, that this crowd is like, man, there's something different here. Here he is speaking openly. What's going on here? So the crowd um, then remembers. They're like, wait, (laughs) wait a second. Isn't this the guy from Buckner? Right? Like, didn't this guy go to Van Horn over here? Like that's, that's what they start to realize. They're like, wait, we, we know verse 27, but we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from right? So they were heading the right direction. They were making the right assumptions about Jesus. They're like, they were like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe he is the Christ. They're like starting to believe in him. And then, and then along the way, they started to lean to their own understanding again. They'd be like, wait a second. No, we, we, we know by our religious tradition that we're not going to know where the Christ came from. And we know Jesus, we know his mom and his dad, like we know exactly where he comes from. And, and and he he comes from Nazareth. We thought he was supposed to come from Bethlehem. Like they don't, they get sort of confused in leaning to their own religious and and and, and cultural understanding of who this Messiah should be. They look at their traditions and they don't look elsewhere. That's what they do. And so their 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 sort of um, priorities spiritually are not in the right order and they they start to miss him too. The second group of people, who is this Jesus? Who's this guy? We're missing him and we're missing him because we think we know how God works. And I cannot help but wonder how many times in my life I have done the same thing. That, that I have sort of put God in some kind of box that, that isn't necessarily Um, how God defines himself in scripture. I'll put it that way. I I don't know about you, but I I can't help how many times I have potentially missed what God was doing in me or around me because I was sort of judging, judging God by the cover a little bit. Like I was sort of limiting because of my own pride, my own pridefulness, my own interpretations. And I'm not, I'm not saying we need to lay down reasoning and our God's given us minds to be able to, 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 to discern what's true and what's right. And he's given us so much instruction in his word that helps guide us in truth, right? Amen. But I can't help but wonder, lest I look at this group of people and think they're fools, that I haven't done the same thing. Actively separating myself from the grace of God in ways because of my pride and feeling like I understand this. I know how it works. So Jesus proclaimed in verse 28 as he taught in the temple You know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come on my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him for I come from him and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him. But no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Love to see the sovereignty of God as that little piece of the passage um, wraps up. Just the sovereignty of God, God's plan playing out. It just seems like Jesus is just kind of like walking around and stuff's happening. And he's talking to people like you just see the sovereignty of God's redemptive plan unfolding there. So he proclaims, he teaches in the temple. And he he's like, listen, I know that it's hard for you because like you know me, but... But the reality is, is I I actually, I come from some other place. I'm an eternal person, right? Like that's the reality. I've not come on my own accord either. Like I've come to bring the gospel. I've come to do some work. I've come to do the work that it will take for you to believe me. I mentioned that I'd seen a doctor a few weeks ago to look at a a sunspot that I had on my leg and turned out to be nothing, Um, but it felt good to... Uh, have that looked at and it's actually the third time I've seen my doctor in the last I think six months or so which is a record if you're wondering um and and uh I, you know I went to the doctor in May at the beginning of my sabbatical or June early June and I had to go see a new doctor because my it's been so long since i would seen a doctor and my old doctor dropped me so that was heartbreaking but so I had to meet a new doctor that's always hard and um did a checkup and then did a follow-up visit in the fall. And, um, my new doctor is like equally like frightening and tremendously kind. Like, and I'm just kind of like, I go in there and I'm like, wow, like you just punch me. And like, and then, and then there's this just such a tender and caring side of him. He's like amazingly ferocious. But, but at the same time, I'm like, at the end of every time I see him, I'm like, can we hug? Like... (laughs) I'm just standing there in the hallway, like luckily he is like pats you and shakes your hand. And so that suffices, but, um, I, I just, I deduct that the reason that this man in his sixties, um, and he's still practicing medicine that, that, that he is those things is because he's 100% certain about his mission there. He's 100% certain, and he's not there to make a big deal about himself, like I'm sure whatever sort of like egotistical thing that might have drove him as a young man has, has been burnt out on the day-to-day care of, of simple folks like me, and so he's not there to make a big deal of himself. He's not there. He, he has complete focus on his mission and his vision. And Jesus's interactions with these folks is like some of those moments with my doctor. He's like, he's the wonderful counselor. And so Jesus slows down and he teaches and he instructs. And he's like, he, you know, he at times can feel very soft or kind or just like this amazing teacher who's illuminating simple truths. And then at the time, and just like he, it, it sort of switches and he's proclaiming the truth, like ferociously calling somebody a liar, you know, like uh, you're a murderer. Like, I mean, he just doesn't pull any sort of punches, no matter the personal cost. And, and he's acting in a way, listen, he's acting in a way that gets you killed in that culture. He, he, and, and the only thing as we see in these texts that's sort of holding that back is the sovereign plan of God. Right? That's the only thing. And in fact, we actually see times where he, he has to like slip out of his clothes just to get away from people who are pursuing him. So that's the reality, right? That's, that's a, that's a real look at Jesus. That's a real look at Jesus. And so he has all of these interactions that are different with people. Look at, look at the final (coughs) group of people that I want you to see in verse 31. Yet many of the people believed in him (laughs) and And he's a teacher and he's a prophet of God and he's a Messiah where people believe in him, right? People want to kill him. People believe in him. Now they don't have it all figured out either because the next thing they say is when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? So there is kind of like... that's a weird ending. Like uh, they don't, they don't really know what's happening in the final scene, despite the reality that people not only easily miss God, they run from him. Jesus has a way of saving some. He just still has a way of saving some like that's, that's just who he is. That's what he does. And it's sort of a precursor to his final work in the gospel. The way that Jesus rolls is so compelling that even when folks don't have it all figured out, the text says some believe, some believe they don't have it all figured out and neither do you and neither do I. So, the real question this morning as we look at groups of people encountering Christ and they sort of get it wrong, and then he starts to try to unpack a little bit about who he is and what he does. I mean, the real question for us this morning is who is Jesus to us right now? And you take that as a big category who is Jesus the Messiah to me now? Or you could take it like in this moment, in this second, in this second in this second, who is Jesus to me right now? And what if we didn't make limiting judgments about who Jesus is to us? What if that was the case? What if we didn't make limiting judgments about what he can do to us? What he wants to do for us? What if we stopped making limited judgments in our lives about what God wants to do through us or what he could do through you in any situation, your job, your family relationships? What if, what if we could do that? What if God could help us with that right now? When I see all these people encountering him, and over and over again, they're missing him, and they're missing him, and making these ridiculous judgments about him, I'm not scoffing at a bunch of idiots. Excuse me. I'm like, yeah, I do that too. I do that too. And don't give up on me, Lord. Don't give up on me, Jesus. There's a reality for many of us, many Christians, I'd like to say most or all face on a day-to-day basis where you are frustrated by faith, by your faith, where your heart feels colder than it should, where you feel like God is further away than he should feel where you don't want to do the things that you know God calls you to do, right? Like you just don't feel it. It's not, you just sort of feel cold and distant from God and like that relationship that you maybe feel like others have, you're just not, you're not experiencing that. Like that's a reality for Christians. We should be honest about that and we should never be afraid to admit that because that's a reality. It's a reality for me. I feel that way constantly. I, I constantly go, man, I, as a pastor, I should want to live in the word more than I do. I should want to pray more continuously than I do. I, I mean, I'll heap that sort of human shame and, and understanding. I, I'll do that. We should never be afraid to admit that to one another. I think that's everybody's condition. And listen, that might be many of you's condition, even in this moment, I'm having like an outer body experience during worship. and And then somebody else is just like, I'm so far from the meaning or feeling any of this. That's a reality in this room. It can be scary to admit that. Shouldn't I be more spiritual? Who is this man to you, Jesus? Who is this man, Jesus, to you right now in the midst of those realities? Who is he? He is the one who is closer to you than a brother. He is the one who reignites cold, damp hearts. He is the one who draws us to the truth and ignites our mind and, and, and whole self in the truth of God's word. He is the one who makes the gospel possible by living a perfect life and laying his life down to be j- betrayed and judged by the people who most loved him. He, he is the one. He's the one who goes to the cross, suffers a martyr's death and is separated from the father. And he is the one who three days later gets up from a grave only so that he can give you resurrection life. Only so he could go to the father and send the spirit into you so that you could be forever united to the life of Christ. Jesus is that one. That's who he is. That is the gospel this morning so that we can look to Jesus as children. We could see the father's perfect love adopting us as sons. We could see Jesus putting his royal clothing and coat around us and welcoming us into the kingdom inheritance that it's now our possession because God has loved us. He's a friend that's closer to a brother than than a brother. That's who he is. And so I want to give you this challenge as we finish our service today and we come to the table for for the Lord's Supper. I want to give you an actual challenge of application so that um, this passage won't disappear from your life halfway through a donut. Right? Right? So let me, let me, let me give this. If, if this is something that you want to pursue a little bit, write this question down. What would I like to experience more of from Jesus personally? What would I like to experience more of from Jesus personally? Would you like to hear more about Jesus' truth in God's word? Do you want to experience a greater closeness with him? Those types of things, right? That's, those are going to be the answers that you, that you work through this week. Where's your desire? You want to see his love working through you more to other people? You feel like that sort of channel has dried up, right? Like whatever it is, like what, what would you like to experience more from Jesus personally? And then pray and ask God to give you those. Pray and ask God to give you those. God will answer those prayers. He will answer those prayers. But, but always, always see how Jesus operates. Okay? In, in, in these interactions and many others we've already seen. You, you're not done yet. Ask yourself. Ask yourself honestly. What kind of judging a book by its cover am am I doing? It's not just about looking at other people. It's also kind of looking back at our relationship with God and go like, I know he saved me, but I'm not sure if God likes me. You know, that type of thing. You got to ask yourself honestly, what kind of book judging am I making in relationship to my um, relationship with God? Or am I making decisions? Am I actually distancing myself from God in, in real ways? And listen to the Spirit's answer for that. Let me pray and then we'll continue. Father, we, um, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that um, even simple interactions that we see in Scripture can actually bring monumental changes in, in, in our life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with us um, this week as we're sent out of here um, to bring you glory. Help us to see you. Help us to experience you um, throughout this week in new and amazing ways, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.